Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Fine. How are you? I am fine. I am trying to get my stuff together to do a million things today and none of them are fun. (laughs) What about you? Same old, same old. We have to update the listeners on what we did last week. I know. Was so, it was such a long day, but exciting. Go ahead. Tell them, tell them. So we finally went and got our podcast tattoos. Yay, us. I know. So if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen those. If you don't follow us on Instagram, I don't know what you're doing with your life because (laughs) we post some pretty funny stuff on there. Yes. Brighten your day. Mm-hmm. But yes, it was a long day. We started, well, we got there a little before 11. Our appointment got started late. We actually each got two tattoos per person. So there was four tattoos the poor girl had to do. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a long day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But she was actually so, pretty fast considering we had so many that we were doing. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I was super proud of Rachel, even though she said that she usually breaks out in a sweat or feels like she's going to pass out. She did great. She was a trooper and didn't even uh, glisten by breaking out in a sweat. Yeah. And I've decided that going to her was a blessing and a curse because it actually didn't hurt that much with her. So it was good as I was getting them done. But the downside is because it didn't hurt. I'm like, oh, well, I could just get way more now. There's oh my God. (laughs) No, pace yourself. Pace yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any more I want. So, but I'm sure that will change eventually. Yeah. So if you have tattoos, and my experience has been, if you have a guy doing your tattoos, they pack that ink in there and it hurts like a bitch. You feel like you're going to die. And women, (laughs) it's true. I'm telling you, when I had my wrist done, my inner wrist and my hip, it was a nightmare. And if you have a female tattooing you, they seem to have a gentler touch. It still hurts, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much. So besides the podcast logo, which I love, I got that right above my boob on my left side. I got a really cool little dragon on the inside of my wrist that is in black and gray scales. And it's blowing out fire. So the fire's orange and yellow and red. And it looks, I love it. I look at it all day long. So my second tattoo is a little paper airplane that I got kind of on my shoulder, like as if it's flying off of my shoulder. 
And actually about three years ago, I had a book dedicated to me uh, by the author B. Harmony. And the book is called Paper Airplanes. And so Mm -hmm. I got the little, it's a little paper airplane because when you read the book, the chapter headings have the characters' names and then it also has the little paper airplane symbol. So that's what I got my second tattoo for. It's super cool. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love her. She was super friendly when I met her. I learned a lot from her. I learned about Ruby Dixon from her now that I'm thinking about it while we were having burgers. I don't know if you learned about her or we talked about her, but I remember we talked about a lot of stuff for sure. You talked about her. So for me, it was a learning experience. That's how I looked her up. I'm like, I'm going to check this author out. It's all uphill from there. I don't want to say downhill. So, (laughs) you know, it was all a reading addiction from there. I had something I wanted to mention actually about the book we covered last week, One Night with a Demon Soldier. So I realized as I was editing our episode and I was putting together the info to go in the show notes for like, say when you're on Spotify, it'll have information about the episode. So as I was doing that, I was on Amazon because I take the blurb from the books and I put it in the show notes. And as I was doing that, I saw that that author does actually have trigger warnings on Amazon for the one night with a demon soldier. So I know that was one of the things I had mentioned last week that I felt like there should be trigger warnings. So Mm -hmm. she does have those on Amazon. But for some reason, I double checked the book. They're nowhere in the actual book. So if you don't read the blurb on Amazon completely, you might miss those. Yeah, but I have them. So that's just I never read it. I don't usually read it either because I don't like spoilers and all those sorts of things. But for people that Mm -hmm. do have triggers, at least there is a spot for them to see what those would be. So that is good on the author's part. At least she put them somewhere. Okay. I think we need to start on this book because I have a lot to say about this book and I gotta go later. (laughs) (laughs) I I have other things that I'm I have to do all of them against my will. The book we're doing today is a book called Tamed by the Troll. It is book one in the Perished Woods book series. And the author's name is Tracy Lauren. And this Mm -hmm. was, for me, the first time I read about a troll. And it was also the first time I read anything by this author. Yes, I would agree on both counts for myself as well. I can start. I'm probably going to go pretty fast in my notes that I did for this book. So feel free to jump in when something happens that I'm not talking about or that you want to. Because you said you had a lot to talk about. Well, I feel like I do. So if you're going to do that, then you need to tell me what chapter you're in. Because sometimes you go fast and jump chapters and I'm, I don't know where we are. (laughs) Okay. I didn't do my notes for this book by chapter. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, Well, then I I am going to start. I'm going to do the start. Okay. 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 Go ahead. So this book opens with chapter one and we're getting the point of view of a woman. Her name is Adelaide and she is feeling empty and feels disconnected from her memories. We find out that her parents have been killed in a accident and her aunt Celia came to live with her to help her but her aunt Celia is really a bitch and she lives on a farm and ever since Aunt Celia 
moved in, instead of helping Adelaide, she's basically made Adelaide her slave and expects her to make her breakfast. She calls her her brat. And she's starting to take over not over not only Adelaide's life, even though she is a grown adult, she's taking over the household. It's very Cinderella-ish. She's there. She has to do all the chores. She has to do all the upkeep of the house, but it's a lot for her. And the aunt was supposed to help her, but the aunt really isn't helping her. And the aunt is a total bitch to her behind closed doors or when people aren't around to the point where when Adelaide lashes out and people in town see it, of course, it's that thing where if the siblings are fighting, the first kid does the hitting, the other kid hits back. And it's always the second kid that gets busted, (laughs) kind of like this with Adelaide and her aunt. She's the one that gets, you know, seen by the townspeople being a mad woman or being emotional or crazy. Yeah, she's gaslighting her. And her. I think her aunt's plan is to take over the household and take it from Adelaide. And so she's gaslighting her and acting like she's done everything she can for this girl. She's totally ungrateful. And can't you see, do you see what I'm dealing with and how hard it is for me? And I think basically her plan is to get her committed. I agree. As we're moving on, we're in chapter two. Adelaide ends up taking, walking away. She's super angry. She ends up going someplace where there's elderberries and she's picking berries away from the house. And all of a sudden she can smell smoke and she hears screams And she sits up and what she sees is army of what she describes as gray skinned beasts that are attacking the only home she's ever known. They are orcs, an army of them. And everything and everyone she knows is going to be dead before dusk, including her if she doesn't run. And the only place that's safe for her to run is into the woods. But the woods are called perished woods And there's all kinds of stories that are well known about monsters and curses. And even when she was a kid, her parents told her, don't ever go in those woods. They're horrible. Something terrible will happen to you. They're cursed. But if she doesn't run, she sure as hell is going to die because the orcs are going to find her. So she takes off running into the woods and she thinks to herself, she has one aunt that's was her it's her father's sister and she lives in a city and her aunt's name is ellen and she's going to try to get to the city to get to her aunt but she's going to have to cut through the woods to do it she's really out of options at this point she's got nowhere else to go and so even though the perished woods are terrifying and the things that parents warn you against she just has to do it yeah and she's running and she ends up trying to cross a stone bridge and she thinks to herself if i can just get over this bridge i'm gonna be i'll be safe but something's wrong and all of a sudden she is pulled forward and as she's reaching the bridge she can hear the orcs behind her And all of a sudden, this thing, she describes it as a massive body launches itself over the stone railing and onto the path before me, coming to a halt at his, she comes to a halt at his monstrous boot-clad feet. She's taking in more and more of his gargantuan frame 
And at first she thinks he's a giant, but as she keeps looking at him, she sees green flesh covered by only by an elaborate loincloth. Says, yes. to my horror, skulls adorn the only piece of clothes he wears. So this is the troll, of course. <laughs> of course. So I kind of liked how this is how she ends up meeting him. She did actually meet him on a bridge. Fortunately for her, the troll starts fighting with the orcs. And so she tries to use that time to make a run for it. You know, she obviously doesn't get that far because the troll... We find out in chapter three, his name is Brom because we get his mm -hmm. point of view. He ends up catching up to her, of course, and he takes her back to his lair, which is beneath the bridge. I had a highlight from when he talks about that. He tells her, you dared cross my bridge without first paying the toll. Like it or not, little one, no one crosses without consequences. Those are the rules. Doesn't he ask her for, are you hurt? Are you injured? You are not permitted to lie to me, I warn. And she's like shocked this guy can even talk. <laughs> yeah. I only have like a page and a half of notes on this story. So you're going to have way more details than I do. Oops. But yeah, she is shocked when he does talk to her because she's like, what? You can speak? That's She was not expecting that at all. Yeah. And she tells him, you can't keep me here. And he's like, I can. I can do it easily. And I'm going to. He tells her, you need to clean your garments. And she said, well, you're the one that dragged me through the mud. And he was trying to cover her scent to hide her from the orcs. He tells her, this is my home now. That is my bed. And he points to a pallet of furs. And he goes, that's yours. And he points to something in front of the fire. So he expects her to sleep on the floor in front of the fire and he tells her i am your master little one i will do as i please you will be my slave carrying out household chores and cooking for me she's very uh, combative and sarcastic i'd be scared shitless but this woman's brave and she's like is that all and he says to her you'd rather i take my toll out on your pussy are you truly that bad at housekeeping so instantly there's this dynamic that is set up between them Adelaine ends up looking around his underground den. She notices that it is tidy and she says, I, I'm going to need water and some soap. And so when she cleaned herself in the bucket, he's like, you're not even clean. <laughs> yeah, she is really, I guess brave is the word or has a death wish. I don't know. Throughout this book, he keeps warning her, "You, I wouldn't be testing me if I were you. And she's like, what are you going to do? Kill me? Death would be better than slavery. Yeah, she's kind of bitchy. I wouldn't really call her brave. She's just, uh, her baseline emotion is anger. And yes. so this book very quickly reminded me of Taming of the Shrew. And so she's very shrew-ish in this book. <laughs> Not for good reason, because of, you know, the circumstances in her life even before she got fucking kidnapped by this troll and forced into slavery. They spend a lot of the book fighting with one another. So she doesn't back down from him at all. I really like this book. And it's, I think this is so true in life. Hurt, and she is really hurting because of the loss of her parents and her circumstances and her aunt. It ma can manifest itself as anger. So that's a defense mechanism. And I think a lot of people do that where they're not really, myself included, 
they're not really angry. They're just so freaking hurt. They don't know how to show any emotion except anger. And she ends up calling him a monster as she's crying. And he tells her, I'm a troll. And she realizes her, probably her whole village is gone. I was looking for a highlight of something he said to her later in the book, but I don't know if I can't find it right now. He does say to her that he, at one point later, he wants to kind of know her the real her not just like this facade she puts up of like anger as like you're saying a defense mechanism he wants to know like the real her not this like fake pretend her that she will put on sometimes and i also think we find out for me i found out pretty quickly that brahm is actually pretty sweet because even though she's a slave and supposed to be doing all these things for him she ends up because of everything she's been through she ends up falling asleep and he wonders how long has she been running from the orcs and he decides to make their evening meal and let her rest and when she wakes up he says to her have you recovered your wits and she goes i doubt it <laughs> he, he tells her come eat and she says i thought you were i was supposed to be cooking he says you can do that tomorrow and mm -hmm. he also explains to her you are bound to me little one by the laws of the parish woods, there is no escape, not ever. Wherever you go, I will find you. She's slowly starting to understand what she's happened. She ends up being a bitch. He ends up screaming at her. You know, that's enough. You need to stop because she flips the table over. Like, you're out of your mind. He says, I will not harm you, but I'm not going to continue to warn you, human. You are my slave. That is a fact, and I suggest you get used to it. She screams, never. He says, then let your first punishment, you know, take place. And she, he starts to take off his belt, which is a rope, and he ties her wrists. He hogties her, basically, and leaves her in front of the hearth. She's still screaming at him, fuck you. <laughs> He's like, do you yeah. want to be a slave in the kitchen or in my bed? And she's all, untie me. And he says to her, you're terrible at bargaining. This is the, goes on for uh, several chapters <laughs> where yes. several days and chapters are spent like this, where they're fighting with one another. She gets different mm -hmm. punishments. She actually does do some chores and she does cook, but everything she cooks is fucking disgusting. She does the chores poorly. At one point, she ends up throwing like boiling hot liquid onto his crotch. Oh my God. Yeah, she's awful yeah and then he ends up giving her 25 spankings for her behavior as a punishment yeah and, and she's like still even though he's spanking her she's still fighting him and he tells her there's a fire in you i have no wish to extinguish little one but i'm growing tired of this game yeah so he he tells her tell me you're sorry she's like never <laughs> oh yeah she's very stubborn he talks to her about the fae that live in the woods. He also talks to her about magic. And he has the, his lair is guarded by magic. So he's telling her, you're not going to be able to get away. Okay, so he ends up taking her fishing one day. She actually liked fishing. So that was kind of exciting for her to get out and 
do that. Oh, this is when he challenges her about her emotions and everything she does. And she actually ends up sharing a lot with him and then crying. Yeah. And then this might be where my notes are from that I wanted to talk about. Oh, at one point he calls her a strange woman. He says, you're a strange woman, little one. Strange and angry. I highlighted that because I said she is me. What do you mean? Because I'm like, my baseline emotion is usually anger. Oh, mine too. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah I, I realized is this is... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think the fishing thing is chapter 12. Because I had a lot of highlights from chapter 12. Okay. Let me get... Um, I really liked how the author kind of talks about like emotions and women and kind yes. of... Like, double standards and things that are associated with it. So she says, it seems like everyone can take sadness from a woman, but if I'm angry, that's somehow unacceptable. It's bullshit is what it is. He tells her, I'll take sadness because it's authentic Adelaide. Anger is the bullshit. Anger is what you bury your sadness under, hiding it from others, hiding it from yourself. And then she kind of confesses more to him in that same chapter. It's so important for a girl to be nice in a yeah. human village that is, especially at my age, courting age. I was supposed to smile, bat my eyelashes, bake muffins for the church. I was supposed to go out of my way to show people how sweet I could be, what a lovely young bride I could be. Yeah, and part of the reason she's so angry is that she knew something was wrong when her parents didn't come back, and she went to the village asking for help, but they took forever to help her and go looking for her parents. So none of the men, you know, left to help her, so she ended up going on her own and that's when she found them that the cart had overturned and they were killed and when they found her they everybody said she was hysterical and called the doctor to give me something to help her sleep and she says good girls good little wives are supposed to be stupid and simpering and fall into a man's arms when the world gets tough she tells him her suitors kind of dropped off after that. I did. I really like the way the author talked about emotion in this because it's true. There is a total double standard, you know, in the in between the behavior of men that is acceptable and women. I like how she talks about how she's angry, not just at the villagers, at how they handled her parents' death and what happened to her after, but she's also upset with her parents because she feels like they abandoned her. She says, that's my bitter story. I can't be your slave, Brom, because I am a slave to my own anger and it claimed ownership of me long before you ever did. I highlighted that too. I was just going to read that. Yeah. So he starts to understand her a lot more. She feels ashamed that she shared so much with him, but it's a good thing he did. she did because he understands her. Well, okay, so she feels shame and anger because she showed her soft side and she even cried at one point. So as soon as they get back to make dinner, she ends up going off the fucking deep end here. Yeah. And she takes a bunch of random shit potion bottles off the shelves and she dumps them all into the dinner pot because she's gonna poison him but it kind of backfires because it starts kind of gassing up the lair and she ends up passing out yeah she doesn't know what's happening but brahm had left he told her i'm gonna go out for a minute there's something i have to do i'll be back in a little bit and when he comes back all, all he sees is all this haze in the lair and she just remembers screaming his name. Then she 
ends up passing out. She feels like she's suffocating. And Brom ends up calling a fae named Soria. I'm not sure if that's how you say her name, but she was his old lover. He can't get Adeline to wake up. So he calls her and she she ends up coming over. His whole lair is like basically destroyed. There's smoke damage everywhere. And she ends up going over to Adeline and she's looking at her trying to figure out what's wrong with her. And she t- he she tells Brom it's a sleeping curse. Do you know what elixirs she used? Did she cast a spell? He tells her all she did was dump his entire stock of magic into the dinner pot. And she's all, well, that wasn't very smart. She may wake up, but the elder witch is gone on a journey. There's no hope of a counter spell until she returns. This part to me was so dumb. <laughs> oh. Soria, this fae, ends up telling him well you could try true love's kiss and he's like how the fuck am i supposed to make that happen and of course soria's like well she you can kiss her this part was a little funny his response to that is the girl hates me my kiss Mm -hmm. would likely put her on her deathbed (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's true i think this is a good setup he tells her the adeline's a virgin and soria explains well that doesn't mean you can't kiss her Yeah, so he waits a while to see if she'll kind of, like, revive herself on her own, but of course she doesn't. So he does eventually kiss her. But before that, this sounded horrible to me. Adeline is living in endless nightmares. That's what the sleeping curse is. So the whole time she's dreaming, she's just having horrible nightmares and reliving the death of her parents. This would be terrifying to me. So the woman basically tells him, I can't. I can't help her, but I can give you a tea that will take some of the pain off of out of her. And he ends up cuddling her in bed and talking to her the, whole, her the entire time, right? He, yeah, he does a lot of the nursing stuff here. So he, he is very patiently waiting and he does try a couple other options. I'm glad he didn't like right away go to kiss her. He kind of checks with that fae. He's thinking about that other witch that's supposed to be around. He's It's kind of a last resort when he's like, well, fuck it. I'll just, I'll kiss her and see what happens. I don't think it'll work, but we'll, yeah, I might as well try it. Yeah, and she, from her point of view in the next, in chapter 15, we learned that he, she can hear him. She says, sometimes I can hear Brahm in the distance. He whispers to me, soothing me, speaking only words of kindness. He doesn't know that she can hear him, but, you know, she can. And I think that helps her get through this nightmare being trapped in this thing. Yeah, he does a good job at this, at the nursing her back to health or caring for her. Yeah, and he also explains to her while she's sleeping, you know, our best option is to wait for the elder witch that or find a white knight to kiss you and that's when he says to her little one this is your warning if you don't wake up immediately i will kiss you right on your mouth and then he ends up kissing her and of course her eyes lashes flutter she ends up waking up and i think it's just really sweet and she tells she explains to him i was so scared and he he says you're awake now everything's okay And she ends up saying, I'm sorry. And she just ends up crying. I also liked that as soon as she wakes up, he tells her that he basically plans to let her go. And so because we had find out while she was asleep that he had decided that he was just going to have her 
work off her toll for a couple weeks and then he would release her. Fortunately, as soon as she wakes up, he kind of tells her this is the plan and this is kind of how we can make it happen. Yeah, he says, you make and a terrible slave. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's more trouble than she's worth, honestly. Yeah, this arrangement will never work. You don't have to be a slave. And so I think think she tells him about the other aunt she has at that other village, right? Because now they start venturing through the perished, wood, perished woods to find a different witch to mm -hmm. help them get to the village where Adelaide's distant family member is. Right. And she, he tells her, we're going to go see this witch. She may ask for a little bit of your hair or some blood from your fingertip. And in exchange, she'll the witch will give him what he needs, which is his magic potions. And she also realizes that when the th that magic pot exploded in the lair, he threw himself on top of her and got burned all over his back. And she's like, she sees it and she's like, oh my God, what happened? He says, it's okay. We'll take care of it. I just need a healing ointment. I'm all out. And we find out. She goes, she's thinking to herself, you know, because he tells her the witch is going to want, she's going to want virgin blood and you're a virgin. And in her mind, she thinks, well, hopefully I can still strike a deal with the witch after she finds out I'm no virgin. <laughs> I'm like, thank God. So they end up going on this journey. They're fighting, but they're also slowly starting to like one another. And then at one point in their journey, they find a town in the perished woods and he has to go off to do something. So he leaves her kind of like tied up to, it's an orc village, right? Mm -hmm. An orc town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he leaves her tied up kind of like she's a horse outside one of these buildings. <laughs> Wait, it's a troll village. Oh, a troll village, not an orphanage. Yeah. Village. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. That was, it was cloaked by magic. She ends up getting untied by somebody else. A and woman. She ends up going into this like a tavern because she wants to buy something, but she doesn't have any money. And so she needs like a quick day's work to get some money. So this woman ends up taking her to this tavern and she ends up basically waitressing for the day while Brahm is gone to get some money for this thing that she wants to buy. We don't really know yet what it is. And she's actually does a really good job. Of course, when she tries and applies herself, she's actually really good at doing things like this. <laughs> she makes friends with everybody in the tavern. And it was just kind of a pretty funny. She liked it also because she could kind of be herself. She could be mm -hmm. sarcastic and witty. Yeah. Give them hell. And they kind of appreciated it. So she could kind of be how she normally is and not be shamed for it like she would be in the human village. And she, she especially ends up making friends with the cook, who's a grumpy, withered old man, and, well, a troll. His name is Crumb. Yeah, I think he even says, like, oh, you know, if you come back tomorrow, I will teach you how to make my secret recipe or something. Like, he loves her. It is funny, because she tells him, I don't take shit from anybody, so let's get to work. He's like, all right, girly, the kitchen is no place for shit takers. That's what he tells her. Brom had gone into a store to get some purchases. And when he goes back, he's like, oh my God, the human's gone. And he freaks out. You know, where is she? Where's my human? And 
somebody says to him, she's in the tavern. Bursts into the tavern. He sees Adeline with a tray full of plates in a bowl. And she's passing food out and joking and talking with all the patrons. Well, and this is like a huge slap in the face to him because he's like, the whole time she was with me, she wouldn't be, <laughs> she wouldn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah. And then could you imagine the look on his face when he walks in and she's fucking waitressing? Like, oh my God. Like this woman is just keeping him on his toes left and right. The place is called the Cocky Bull. The woman that took her, we find out, is his cousin, I think. We find out eventually, yeah. The cousin tells him, I I brought her here because she wanted to earn some money. And then we find out that she actually wanted the money because she wanted to get some medicine for Braum because she feels bad that he got injured. But she doesn't tell him that. But we know that at this point. So they so, end up leaving, right? And taking off through the woods. Braum's not talking because he saw her slip something into her pocket that she bought. He doesn't know what it is, but he's really suspicious of her because of course this whole time she's been a total and complete bitch they end up having a huge fight because he thinks it's poison he ends up yelling at her you're trying to poison me that's when he finds out it's medicine and he freaks out he goes are you sick she yells at him i hate you sometimes he tells her i thought you always hated me and he's super touched that she got medicine for him to help with his back yeah, so they have that big blow up like you're talking about, but they do get over it and make up pretty quickly. So that's kind of nice because even though they're fighting all the fucking time, mm -hmm. they still talk through things and they don't go chapters and chapters of holding grudges or those sorts of things. Yeah, he feels terrible. You know, she's pissed off for most of the trip that day. And she tells him, you've got some serious balls to ask me to take care of you. Because he wants her to put the salve on. He wants a truce. And she's all, you've got some serious balls to ask me to take care of you after you were such a jerk. And he tells her, I do have some serious balls. If you want, I could show you after you rub this on my back. And she just rolls her eyes. He sa she says, I'll do it after dinner. And he says, then can I show you my balls? I just think it's hilarious. He's definitely upping the flirt factor at this point. Yes, definitely. So my next note that I have is them actually getting to that witch. But oh I know stuff God. happens between, I'm sure stuff that's happens okay. between that and the witch. Yeah, that's okay. Because uh, I, the witch part, uh, I really, I would like to talk about that. Okay. So they finally make it to the witch. And like you said, the witch wanted some sort of virgin sacrifice, but Adelaide is not a virgin. She still doesn't know what this alternative gift is, but she's, she's like, well, I'll think of something on the spot. And so when they finally get to the witch, the witch tells Brom, I want to talk to Adelaide alone. This whole interaction with the witch was kind of weird to me because the witch tells her um, she wants the blood of a woman in love but then she also tells adelaide that she wants her to make love to the troll and so adelaide is like well what the fuck are you talking about first of all i don't love him then she also says well you're trying to trick me because if i make love to him ugh, hate that expression yeah right <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like what if i get pregnant from that then maybe you're trying to trick me and mm -hmm. have some sort of like hold over some any kid we might have but the witch tells her once you give me your blood it will hold no link to you or the troll i have no intention of causing either of you any harm 
your blood will simply be a useful ingredient in the strongest of my spells. So I think she wants to use her blood for some sort of love spell. Yes, because love is the strongest force in the universe. Which I guess kind of ties in with that true love's kiss thing from earlier in the book. She had made an agreement with Brom that she would not agree to any deals unless she talked to him first and told him what it was because he's he's really afraid, right? I, I just love the description of the witch and I love the fact that she's in this catacomb. She doesn't even have eyes. She starts walking towards her and her skirt is made up. It says... Her only garment appears at first to be a skirt falling at about knee length, but upon further inspection, I see true horror because affixed to some type of weird belt, the witch is wearing dozens of human arms around her waist. Gross. (laughs) So disgusting. But how cool is it that this author is able to describe this to the point where you actually have a reaction? I'm like, this is beyond creepy. Yeah, very gross. I think she wants them to have sex so that they're... Yes. It really is love, right? And the witch tells her, you know, go back and talk to your troll. Whatever your decision is, you know, you can rest here tonight. And then you can, if you decide not to go through with it, you have my guarantee that you'll be safe. Because she's surrounded by a bunch of really creepy, I don't even remember what they are, but her army of protectors live in the dirt and rise up from the dirt. It's really gross. But anyway, it's a great chapter. The witch tells her, what you have is rare, precious even. And Mm -hmm. Adeline says, what do I have? And the witch says, the blood of a woman in love. And Adeline box at her response and she's still refusing to believe that she's in love with Brom but they do take this witch up on her offer for a room and so what do they do when they get in that room of course they end up having sex like very quickly I thought the witch was somehow going to get a hold of her blood and it was some kind of trick this whole thing was kind of weird to me I was not expecting her to have this weird, like, give me your blood, make love to him. Out of all the things she was going to ask for when they finally got to the witch, this is not what I thought she was going to ask for. But I think we can tell by the description of the witch and where she lives and everything, she doesn't have that. What do you mean? She's alone. The witch is alone, stuck in this cavern. I think Adeline, at some point when they're leaving, kind of sees that oh so do you think she was um, trying to make a potion for herself i don't know but i think oh. it's sad that the witch is maybe she that i did think of that but i don't know oh that never so, crossed my mind but yeah that's possible yeah and he explains to adeline when they're in this room that he's was lonely because he is guarding the bridge for the other trolls and it's an honor to be asked but it's also I know. Kind of feel bad for him, too. Yeah, so he ends up telling her, I'll take you to find your aunt. It's going to take about four days. Let's just enjoy the time that we have together until you get there. He, They end up, of course, having sex. Yeah, which is fine. Their sex scene is good. It's not. There's nothing crazy happening with him, even though he's a troll. He doesn't have any extra appendages or anything. It's just normal, good sex scene, I guess. While they're having sex or decide to have sex, he thinks to himself, I want to tell her I love her. But instead, he ends up 
yelling out mine and snarling through clenched teeth. Yeah, and then his fangs like brush against her neck, but he never actually bites her. I was really waiting for him to do it though. So they end up leaving the witch. They get through the perished woods and, you know, after they have a few adventures and they end up seeing what's called the land of man they're going to this big city and she's like how am i ever going to find my aunt he promises to help her and all of a sudden he hears a snap of a branch he turns around and there's a raid coming down on them he hears adeline screaming and all of a sudden he just sees red it's a bunch of the king's soldiers they're attacking brahm She's screaming for them to stop, trying to tell them Brahm's not a monster, but they don't listen. The soldiers think that they're rescuing her from the troll, but she, uh, you know, of course, doesn't want to be rescued from Brahm. If they're trying to rescue her, though, the soldier ends up to get Brahm to stop. He holds a knife to Adeline's throat and says you better not you better stop right there they tell him we're here to rescue the girl i can see you don't want her to get hurt brahm tells them hurt her and i will make your death very hard on you <laughs> so he ends up tossing his weapon aside and adeline screams out no she doesn't want him to do it one of the soldiers tells adelaide smile miss you are among civilized company once more I hate when yeah, men you, tell women to smile. I've heard that whole life. Do you tell men to smile? I'm not your puppet. Why are you telling me to smile? I fucking, mm -hmm. oh, if anything's going to set me off or make me see red, it's that. <laughs> Obviously, even hearing it. It's definitely something that does not happen to men. So I like this little unexpected thing in the story she ends up rescuing him at the end of the story she does rescue him and they return back to his house my note is they live happily ever after it's just sweet i just like the way it ended so all right what'd you think oh i have to go first yes uh, um Okay, I would uh, I would really only give this story probably two wet panties. I actually didn't like either character for the first third or so of the book. <laughs> wow. Um, she was really fucking angry and shrewish. Like I said, the taming of the shrew. He kept trying to... I felt like he kept trying to change her and make her not be angry. I mean, it all worked out in the little in the long run and i did like them more towards the end of the story i really liked his nickname for her he kept calling her the little one or not mm -hmm. the little one he just kept calling her little one like i said they eventually grew on me but honestly if we weren't reading this for the podcast i probably would not have finished this story because i spent so long at the beginning not liking them wow i'm really surprised to hear that i have a total opposite opinion of this book i freaking loved this book i love her characters i love the description of the witch and what happened when they were walking there and walking to the village yeah sure they spent a lot of time explaining that she was angry but i think the point she was trying to make was that you know she was really hurt not angry i love their interaction 
I thoroughly enjoyed this. Their banter. I loved their re- how their relationship developed. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, just thought I it did was funny. like how it was funny, and I did like how the author described the emotions and all the things that Adelaide was going through. And Adelaide has a lot of emotions happening that you get in the first couple chapters, mm-hmm. and so she's got a lot of depth to her as a character. I liked it so much that I'm almost done with the next book. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Mm-hmm.